0: Well really, that I mean the song that we just uh, sang summarizes what the high life is um, to know to, to, to know Jesus, to know him not just in our head but in our heart, in our soul, uh, to know him in the, the, the fullness of uh, who we are and who Jesus is. And growing into that knowledge is, is the high life. And that's really what we'll, we'll see as we, we walk through um, Colossians. And as Paul un, unpacks that uh, for us. What the, the high life is. That God's created um, for us in Christ. I um, invite you to turn to Colossians um, in the New Testament. Page 956 in your pew Bible. Or you can uh, follow along. Um, on the screen let 's uh, let 's pray together, gracious God, we ask that you your spirit would bring your written word to life, that your living word would in, inhabit us would would fill us, um, that we would indeed know you and in the fullness of that knowledge um, would um, live the the high life that you have for us. Speak to us in this time. Take uh, the words that are said, the words that are read, and uh, apply them in each of our lives for what we need um, in this moment. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, uh, we're going to walk through the first uh, 14 verses of, uh, um, of Colossians, um, so invite you uh, to turn there, and we'll just we'll walk through a couple verses at a time, but uh, let's start at the beginning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, so first thing you get, just from the beginning, is Paul, he's, he's one of the leaders in the church. He's one of the, the traveling um, preachers, a missionary, and he takes the, um, uh, the, the message of Jesus to different places and he, he writes letters to church leaders around, and he writes letters to the churches in different cities to tell them what it means to, to follow Jesus, because the church is in its you know, very beginning stages. And so here he's, he's writing a letter, he and Timothy, are, are writing a letter uh, to the church in Colossus now I wanted you to know where Colossi is. It's it's not at the end of North Bend Road. Um, it's uh, it, that little red A there. Thanks to Google Maps, is where Colossi is. It's sort of in the uh, little inland, but the southwestern part of what we know today as Turkey. And In uh, that general area there, you see across the Mediter- you see uh, uh, across the Aegean there and you see the Mediterranean there, you see Greece, and then, then you see Italy, you know one looks like a boot, yeah, so right right in there, and in Turkey that 's where the church uh, started to grow um, out of, uh, of Jerusalem, and then it started to continue to go. West off the screen and, and around the world. But, so Paul is writing this letter to this church there. And he's never been there. He's never visited there. He's not the one that took the, the good news of Jesus to that place. We'll learn who that is in just a moment. And But it's always good to know as we're reading a letter like this, this is sort of like listening to one end of a phone conversation. No, you're, you're, you're just hearing him responding to some of the things he's heard about the church there and how he's trying to address that to help them grow in Christ. But one of the key things that I want you to, to see is in the beginning of verse 2, look who he writes it to. He says, I write this to you to the saints. And faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, those are synonyms. There's not two different groups. There's not one group that a group of saints and the others are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. He's saying this is the same group. It's something that he does a lot, uses synonyms to talk about a a group um, together. And so that means, this is really important, um, that he's writing it to us as well because we also are saints, Do you like that notion? Does it make you squirm when I tell you you're a saint? If uh, you're like most folks, you probably sort of squirm when I say, you're a saint. But you are. You are a saint. Not because of anything you've done. Not because of who you are, but because of Jesus, who has made you a saint. He's made you a, a holy one. One set apart for him. That's what a saint is. You know, I've never been a big fan of uh, uh, speakers that say, now, turn to your neighbor and say, you're a saint. So I'm not going to ask you to do that. Part of the reason I don't like it is because I always turn to somebody and then I end up talking to the back of their head because they're talking to the person next to to them. But I, I do want you to get comfortable with recognizing that you are a saint. So I want you just to say out loud, I am a saint. That was pretty good. You you, you didn't? Not many of you had nauseous looks on your face when when you said that. But it's not something that we recognize that you are a saint. So say it again with me. I am a saint. And it's because of what Jesus has done for you and is doing in you now that you are a saint. Part of the reason I don't like saying I'm a saint is because if I'm not a saint, then it sort of gets me off the hook. You know, I don't have to think about transformation of my own life. I don't have to think about maturing and and growing into being a saint. So now I've tricked you all, and you've all said that, so now you're all on the hook for growing in Christ, for being a saint, for living out what Jesus has done for you And what he is doing in you now. And and that's what was happening with the church in Colossae. And that's what Paul was talking to them about. Listen, you're saints. This is what it means to live into being saints. So, verse uh, 3 through 8, the next paragraph there. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learn from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit he's beginning now, what he's saying in this paragraph is, Now you have heard the good news of Jesus and you have received it and you're seeking to live into it. You've received the high life that Jesus has for you. And this is what this high life looks like. It has faith, it has love, it has hope. And this this faith, love and hope come from the gospel, this good news. Now gospel is one of those great words that we in the church use a lot but we really don't know what it means. You know, and it's really not something that's used outside of the church very much, except to sort of say as an adjective for truth. You know, the gospel truth. Um, it, it's the gospel is the good news of the grace of God that Jesus has died for you and for me, has been raised to new life in order to give us faith, love, and hope, as He outlines here. There is a faith in Christ that our the evil we have done, the evil we do, the evil we will do has been paid for by yes. Jesus. That's our faith in Christ is that the evil we have done, we have been relieved of its guilt. That's what he's saying when we have faith in Christ. Now we have also the ability to love one another, is what he says. That you have faith in Christ and you love one another. That in the good news means what Jesus has done for us, he has freed us from the bondage of selfishness. He has freed us from the bondage of living a life focused on ourselves. In a way, he's freed us from perpetual adolescence. Where where we just, every eye is upon us. Every mirror points to us. The good news of the love of Jesus Christ, of the truth of the gospel, is that he has freed us from that perpetual selfishness so that we truly can love another like Jesus loves us. That we can. You know, love doesn't mean, oh, you got nice feelings for one another. It means I'm willing to sacrifice for the benefit of another. Jesus, the gospel, the good news frees us from the bondage of selfishness. And the good news of Jesus alleviates the alienation that you and I have from God and brings reconciliation that we can live with God, that we can know Jesus, that that He can be our all in this life and the life to come. He gives us that hope, the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for us, his life, his death, his resurrection. Give us that faith that the guilt of our evil has been forgiven. He he gives us that love that frees us from the bondage of selfishness. And he gives us the hope that we live with God today and every day forever, that our hope is secure in heaven, that we are secure in God. That's what the gospel does and what it did for the church in Colossae and what it does for us and in a in a word the end of verse 6 summarizes it that, that we that, that the church there and that we when we we enter into the high life is when we truly comprehend the grace of God That's what's real and true for us. It's what God has done for us. It's what makes us saints, even though we know good and well we're not. That There are plenty of video pictures of us not being saints. And if what we thought in our head were put on a screen, that wouldn't look like a saint all the time. But we are made saints because of the grace of God, the gift of what Jesus has done for us. And when we truly comprehend that grace... That it's what God has done for us, then we are free to live the high life of faith, love, and hope. Yeah, you know, um, some of you may remember or have studied in uh, if you did uh, Christian evangelism stuff, a program called Evangelism Explosion. Anybody remember that? Uh, There's a couple, a couple of us that uh, remember that. And, and, you know, there was, um, it it sort of doesn't work today anymore. The culture sort of moved to a different place and it doesn't work. But there was one question that you'd ask in Evangelism Explosion, you know, that when you'd go knock on somebody's door, you know, and you'd ask them, you know, if uh, you were to to die tonight, are you sure you'd go to heaven or not? It was one of the questions. and um, I always liked that question or or, or a little more elaboration on that question because it, it just helped me recognize the reality, fully better comprehend and know the fullness of God's grace. And that was, you know, if you were to die tonight and go to heaven and you were to be at the gates of heaven and St. Peter were to be there, I guess St. Peter was there because Jesus told him, I give you the keys, you know, the gate, you know, and so I guess that's why Peter's there. I don't know exactly. It's the only theological, biblical reason I could come up with. But Peter's there, and, and, and Peter asks you, Okay, Drew, good to see you, but why should I let you into heaven? And the biblical answer, the answer that you say when you fully comprehend the grace of God is, You shouldn't. There is no reason within me that you should let me into heaven. The only reason you let me in is because of Jesus. And that He has died for me. And I gave Him every sin I could. I gave Him all to Him, and He promised to cleanse me. And and He promised that His death and His resurrection was powerful enough to pay for my sin, to free me from the bondage of of the evil within me, and to. Reconcile me with the Father. That's the only reason that those gates should be open. Because of the grace of God and what He's done for us. So, the, the first element of living the high life, as Paul hits here, the end of verse 6, is to truly comprehend the grace of God and how it cleanses us from our guilt. It frees us from the bondage of selfishness, and it reconciles us to God forever. And the neat thing is that this, this, this truth is communicated from people to people. Verse 7 there is, in, and you learn this from Epaphras. You know, we can call him Epi if you want. Just give him a nickname. But Epi's just one of the guys in the church that he went up to to Colossae, went up to Laodicea, went up to that area. And he's the one that told them, this is what Jesus has done for you. This is the good news. And the church was formed. People believed it and received it and had the grace of God poured upon them. And now their hope is secure forever. One of the things I love about these letters is they're just so human in this way. It's Paul and Timothy writing to the group here. They hadn't been there, but but Epi had been there. He'd taken the message. It's not some um, high-tech event. It's people sharing Jesus with others. It's been that way since the beginning. That's the way that we've always done it, sharing the high life with others. All right, so then this first paragraph, Paul says, This is what I pray for you. Ever since I heard that, that you have received Jesus, you received the good news, you have, have comprehended, you know the grace of God, not just in your head, but in your heart and in your soul, and you're living that out. So, since that day, since you've, been, since you've received Him, now I'm praying for you this way. And this verse, starting with verse 9 For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding now stop we'll stop right there just for a moment cuz i think these are now the, this is the second piece First piece is, is the knowledge of the grace of God, knowing it not just in your head but in your heart. Now the second part is that you are knowing God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Is that you know the character of God? That you are Paul is saying, "I'm praying this for you," that you are being filled with the knowledge of God's will. In other words, you know when you when you fill up something, that means you're also pushing whatever is in there out. Yeah, you know, and so what I, I want, what Paul is saying, this is my prayer for Christians. Once you are converted, once you say, "I understand God's grace and I'm living in that grace," then I'm praying now that you will be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that you will know what God wants you to do. That, that, as Dallas Willard uh, says, it that you will know Jesus in such a way. So that what you do and say is what Jesus would do and say if Jesus were you. You're being filled with the knowledge of God's will, with God's character, with God's convictions, with God's heart, so that... What you say and do, what I say and do, what we say and do is what Jesus would say and do if Jesus were me or you. That's living the high life. That's, that's growing then into the, the fullness of the good news. Of living that out. And that's Paul's prayer for you and for me. And what I, I charge you with, nothing more. Make that your prayer for one another. Make that your prayer. Join with Paul. I mean, it must have been important if Paul wants to put that on the top of his prayer list that we pray for one another. That we pray for our spouses. We pray for our children, our grandchildren. Children, pray for your parents. You know, pray for our neighbors, pray for our enemies, that they would know, they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, in all spiritual wisdom and discernment, so that we would know what God would have us do, what God would have us say, that He would be filling us, you know, He'd be pushing out the other stuff that's in us, so that we become more and more like Christ would have us be, that we reflect more and more the very character of God. Verse 10. So that, you gotta love that. Once you see that in the Bible, you know, all right, they're, they're, it's not just so that you know something. Not just so that it's in your head, but it's so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. That's the high life. He would fill us with the knowledge of God's will so that then we lead life that is worthy of His name. That is pleasing to Him. That is the very reason and way and purpose for which we were created. And then what Paul does, really, is he outlines four different ways that this, that this gospel is showing itself. And one thing, notice, you know, the gospel is not just information. It's almost alive. You know, the gospel is bearing fruit. The gospel is, is on the move. The good news about Jesus is not just dead information, but it is a, a living word of truth that bears fruit, that has impact in our lives. And the impact that that good news has is to lead us to the high life. One, bearing fruit, fully pleasing, uh, let's see, verse, verse 10, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, as you bear fruit in every good work, and then two, as you grow in the knowledge of God. This, this good news of what Jesus has done for us, is, uh, uh, the forgiveness of sins, giving us faith, hope, and love, is one that then bears fruit in us doing good work. In us doing things that Jesus would be doing if he were us. In, in a sign, a way that we know that this, the knowledge of God's will is filling us up, is as we recognize those good works that God is doing in and through us. Um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing the Interfaith Hospitality Network. And that's where we, along with uh, six or seven other churches in College Hill area, we, um, we do it here, and we do it also at First UCC Church off of Belmont, the other side of the neighborhood. And we, we house families that find themselves homeless. It has to be um, some adult and their children who otherwise would be... You know, sur- uh, couch surfing or in a uh, van or having to stay in a hotel or, or, or be spread around to their um, family uh, throughout the, the region. And, and this enables those families to stay together. Uh, a couple, uh, um, And so we'll house them here in, I think, two weeks now. And if, uh, I, if you see Eileen Boyle, you know, be sure to give her a hug and tell her thanks because she's the one that helps us really lead that for here. Um. But a couple, uh, it was two weeks ago, I was at a ministerial meeting in College Hill Ministers. And uh, they were telling us that the IHN direct, uh, executive director wanted to to meet with representatives of, the, of IHN here in College Hill. You know, it was like, uh-oh. You know, what do they want to meet with us for? You know, what, why? And then the weird, they wanted to meet with all the, the folks that were doing different things, but they wanted to meet with us first. And so we thought, okay, maybe they're getting... The hard stuff done early. But what, uh, what Georgine did when she met um, with some of the representatives from this area, she said, I just want to, you to know about the evaluations. And uh, that sort of sends shivers to you, doesn't it, when you hear the word evaluation? And uh, um, a better word is feedback. Um, but it's evaluation. And, and they give it to all the guests. And uh, every week, to, to ask them, how were you received? How were you treated? How was the food? How were the arrangements? You know, what, what, was, what was it like? And Georgine said, I wanted to meet with you first. The, the church is here in College Hill because uh, on a five out of five scale, on everything that they evaluated, you got all fives. And we were like, doesn't everybody get a five on this, you know? And they're like, no, they don't. They, they, they don't do that. Everybody doesn't get a five. And as I, I reflected on that, I said, you know, that is a sign. That is a sign that the, the, the Spirit is filling us. We're not filled all the way, believe me. I just know me, and I know some of you. I know we're not filled all the way. But... The Spirit is filling us with the knowledge of God's will that is bearing fruit of good works, that we would do and say what Jesus would do and say. You know, I really don't care how the church, how the church um, if it makes American Idol or not. I really don't care what the, what the uh, editorial board at the Cincinnati Inquirer would rate um, the, the churches in, in College Hill. Um, Well, I do care, but most importantly, the people who are broken, who are in great need, who can easily be overlooked, who may be considered the voiceless, I want to hear how they say we're acting like Jesus. I want to hear how they say we're demonstrating the love of God. And what a powerful word to hear from those who find themselves homeless saying that group of people they bring they are worthy to the name of Jesus because of how they treat us. Paul goes on, uh, to say, not well, only you, you're bearing fruit, you're regularly doing good, you're growing in the knowledge of Him, you're regularly learning about God. But then, in verse verse eleven, he, he even gives a, a, a real prelude to this this next one. He says, uh, "And may you, verse verse eleven, may you be made strong with all the strength that comes from the glorious power." Yeah, you know, all right. What's, what's he setting up here? You know, what what kind of strength and power is he going to give us? This is going to be some good stuff right here, right? I give you great strength and power, so and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience. The glorious power of heaven that created everything out of nothing is necessary so that we might be given patience that we might be given endurance, diligence to continue to bear good work, to continue to be worthy for the name of Jesus, to continue to live the high life that is pleasing unto God because there's a whole lot of opposition, a whole lot of forces that will try to pull us away. I even add, the, whereas the, the, this translation sort of says, while joyfully giving thanks... Uh, you see the end of verse 11, beginning of verse 12. I, I think the joyfully really belongs with the first part that you will joyfully, patiently endure everything that the devil throws at you. You'll joyfully, patiently endure everything that life throws at you. You'll joyfully, patiently, diligently follow Jesus, even if it's against the grain. And then finally, says, as you're living this out, as you're, you're being filled with the knowledge of God's will, that you'll be living with, uh, verse 12, thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know, some of us, you know, we have emotional hangnails and we need to get over them and you know and let the God work through us in terms of giving thanks and in terms of patiently enduring our emotional hangnails. But there are some of us here who are facing disease and addiction and pain, facing death and loss and grief, facing failure and persecution and, and opposition. And what good news it is to know that no matter what we face, the power of heaven, the very power of creation is alive in us to never take away the faith, the love, and the hope that is ours because of the gospel. That no matter what the failure, no matter what the disease, no matter what the results of the test, no matter what the the persecution or the opposition, the pain and the struggle, those will not be taken away. And so we can face them, we can walk through them with patience and even joy and gratitude. Because what God has done for us in Jesus Christ... As we, as we continue to fully understand, to fully comprehend the grace of God, that that can never, ever be taken away. And the high life is to live according to that truth, even in the face of the pain and the struggle, the loss and the grief and the failure that will come our way in this life. A high life is not some way of trying to escape it. Not some altered mental state to just avoid it. But it's the power of the gospel. The very power of heaven that is alive within us, filling us, so that we can endure it, walk through it with joy, patience, and thanksgiving. That's the high life in Jesus Christ. As Paul says in his letter to the Romans, and none of that stuff will ever separate us. Neither death, nor powers, nor principalities will separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. How do we live the high life? We we comprehend and continually comprehend the grace of God the gift, what He has done for us. And we grow in our knowledge of God's will. We're filled with the knowledge of God's will, and we live into that in the power of His Holy Spirit. And that is a high life. It has no law of diminishing returns. It has no hangover. That has um, no, no dry mouth associated with it but one that continues to be high and higher as we walk closer and closer to Jesus. One of the ways that we, we do that, that we grow and the, the, we're filled with the knowledge of God's will, is we put the scriptures um, in our heart. We memorize them. We put them in our head, in our heart. I'm going to ask the ushers if they'll pass out this card for the next two weeks. This is our memory verse together. Colossians chapter two verses six and seven make make put this on uh, your uh, mirror, put this in your car, put this in a place where you 'll be memorizing this um, together uh, say it at, at dinner tonight say it say it together at the, um, uh, at the, the table say it together as your, um, when you have opportunities um, uh, to even even during the commercials at the um, uh, whatever you're, you're watching, you can come and focus on the, the scriptures um, that as we hide them in our heart and mind, they help us to keep our way pure. They, they help us. They, they fill us with the knowledge of God's will. And uh, so this is Colossians 2, um, 6 and 7. There's uh, uh, plenty of them, so... Be sure uh, to take one. Uh, everyone gets one, and if you want to, you can even have two. But let's uh, let's say um, let's say these together. It's on your screen if you don't have one in your hand um, yet. Colossians chapter two, verses six through seven. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him. And established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray. Gracious God, we, we want to, to live into the high life that you have for us. And we want to continue to, to bear forth the, the good works we want to continue to, to grow deeper in our knowledge of you. We want to, to live the lives that are pleasing to you, that are worthy of the name of Jesus. Oh, and how we, we thank you that we get to, to, to be a part of, of what you are doing in, in this world. That, that, we, that you are at work in us. That There has even been testimony from others outside of us saying, look, I see Jesus there. We praise you, Lord, because it is your work in us. You are, are transferring us out of the dominion of darkness in, in the kingdom of Jesus. You, you are, are leading us into being people of the light. You have rescued us from our own selfishness from the evil that so easily can overtake us. And you are making us into a people that are worthy, who are saints. We receive your work in us. And we we thank you. And we give ourselves to you. We give one another uh, to you. We, can, we pray with Paul that you will continue to fill us with the knowledge of your will. So that we'll be able to have, that we'll have spiritual wisdom. The capacity of discerning your leading and directing. And Father, we lift up one another unto you in this moment and we, we pray your, your hand of, of healing and strength that, that you, would, you would be giving the good life to those that are facing real struggles and challenges and disease. We, we pray your, your spirit will be alive in them. We pray for Jane Lott, who's at Mercy Hospital and who, who fell this week. We, we, we thank you for her and pray and um, rejoice in how your spirit does continue to shine through her. We pray for, for Gordon Houston and Charles Davis, both released from the hospital recently, and, and pray for, for them, that your, your spirit would shine forth in them. Continue to pray for Evelyn White and Pauline Bacon, Vivian McCracken, Jenny Mutters, Richard Bethel, Donna Pessinger, Betty Lytle. We pray your, your hand upon each one that as they face disease and struggle and loss, Lord, may you fill them with the knowledge of your will. That they, with, with joy and patience, diligently follow you in the, the face of what they're encountering. Lord, for others, not we haven't mentioned here, but that you've laid upon our heart. Our mind. we lay them before you. We join with Paul and we, we pray for them as well that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will. That they would be pleasing unto you, worthy of your name. That they, whatever they face, would, be, would see, would be obvious to them the ways they are thankful to you. For their rescue, their salvation, for the good news, for the sure and certain hope that is in Jesus. We pray that for one another. We pray that for our brothers and sisters around the world. For the the church in Iraq, for the the, the church in Nigeria, the church in Pakistan, the church in, in Chad, the church in Sudan church in in Syria. In places of such destruction and and civil war, we we pray that your spirit would be alive in them, filling them with the knowledge of your will. And they'd be continuing to bear good works. They'd be continuing to to endure with a joyful patience and, and giving thanks and knowing you And we pray for us, that we would continue to be filled by you. Uh, cast out that stuff that gets in the way as you fill us with you. And we pray um, our prayer of seeking to be your church without walls. Dear God, make us into your community for your glory. Connect us in Jesus, no matter our differences Lead us to serve the world like Jesus, no matter the cost. Help us to celebrate you, no matter the circumstances. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us for greater works than Jesus. Amen.